What is going on, everyone? You have found the Mission Driven Made podcast where we equip and empower you with unfiltered fitness truth. And on today's episode, we start with what's called a life section. And here we talk about the metaverse. We talk about the legendary John Madden. We talk about how my daughter stole food directly from her teacher's desk. Make sure you hang around for the second portion of the episode today, which is our fitness focus section. And here I talk about seeing a guy doing clean and jerks on a BOSU ball at the gym and backflips up on a plyo box. We also talk about crossover symmetry, talk about tips to increase your shoulder press, and end with a Q&A with the question of, is it best to do full range of motion squats? Enjoy the episode. feeling uh, particularly sexy today man <laughs> know, what I, know what i first thought of when uh uh when i saw your hair i mm-hmm. thought of when we were all teenagers and seeing well i had long hair for a little while but that was way before but seeing you, you, the, you the bangs yeah well not even the bangs just the the, the head banging that's yeah. what i first oh, thought yeah. like back in the day when everyone would do this with their that's what i thought about when i saw your hair you still do that don't you um i'll tell you what after after <laughs> I had I had to give it get I had to give a head shake to the our viewing audience. Um, after the couple concussions in high school with my you know with my brain, uh, yeah. um, honestly, so I I was definitely doing it. I was headbanging certainly post concussion, <laughs> but at a certain point with age, it got to the point where oh oh I've got I've I'm a, I have head trauma <laughs> and and headbanging like very quickly brings that up and i think actually if anything i was kind of doing it purposely to chase that because you know when you're headbanging especially really hard you get kind of a breath holding brain jarring euphoric action which basically you know we're realizing as i'm saying is really just from shaking your brain around Dude, it makes me sick to think about that, like to actually headbanging. Like, a, dude, <laughs> you know. Well, what I mean? so the funny thing for me is that you know, as over the years, I either have long hair, I have really short hair, but the physics of headbanging when you have long hair and short hair is completely different. Um, when you have long hair, you kind of have you kind of have a you can kind of do like a little wave action. And what happens is your hair, you know, kind of kind of flows with you, and so you get a little whip action, right? Like this is the hair, right? And this is the head. Yeah. So you're like, woo! You get a little wave action with the with the the hair. But then when you take that hair away, all of, all of a sudden, all you have left is this, you know, little eight ball dome. And so you're like, yeah! So if you're out and you're watching people headbang, it's the guys, the bald guys who are headbanging. They're the ones who are way more hardcore than they're the, the dudes gnarliest with long hair. Then, huh? oh, dude. Well, and and at least in my experience too, it's not to say that it's necessarily the bald guys, but the people that you want to be most wary of in, say, a mosh pit are the always bald. <laughs> that, that seems frightening to me, like being in a mosh pit at a metal concert. That seems scary. Oh, you don't you don't do it unless you have um, a lot of adrenaline going or a little bit of a death wish or a little bit of both. Yeah. I, you know, I say that jokingly because the reality reality is 
like 90% of, in my experience of mosh pits, people are actually like, yeah, there's, there's going to be an asshole or two, but for the most part, the, the consensus is taking care of one, one another. So I like, would never have guessed right? what you just said right now. Totally. Well, it's an interesting <laughs> thing. Cause you have people jumping around, slamming into each other, but then people go down and it's the same people who are slamming the hardest yeah. and, and like the most like in it who are the first ones to like pick you up and be like, Hey, you okay? Huh. Yeah, it's this weird camaraderie that really, um, I think, goes hand in hand a lot of times with these kind of groups of really passionate people about whatever topic it may be, you know? You know, that that just reminds me how important it is to keep an open mind with a lot of things because I thought people that did that were insane. Like, yeah, I thought well, they were trying they are. to kill, like, <laughs> no, well, yeah, but I thought they were trying to kill each other. I didn't know there was any of that, like, yeah. so... It's kind of like, I know you grew up with sisters, but you know, growing up, growing up with friends, the same thing. It's kind of like roughhousing with the boys. It's oh, like, you're God. having fun, you're having fun. And yeah. then all of a sudden there's like, yeah. there's a little bit of um, seriousness in there. And then all of a sudden, like, yeah. you know what I mean? It's a, it's a thin yeah. line between play and testing our boundaries, uh, which is, you know, actually a fun way to look at fitness too, because you know, it's, it's, we, it's, we're playing, um, but we have boundaries. <laughs> you want to adhere to them, you know? But dude, the your hair actually looks cool when it's long. Um, when I was in my snowboarder phase from, I guess it was mainly like seventh grade to, I don't know, freshman year or something, I had long hair and it looked terrible. Like, Oh, I disagree. Pe people I would tell me, like disagree. some of my friends, I remember, <laughs> they would say how horrendous it looked, but I didn't care. I just wanted to look like a snowboarder. And, you know, it was fun to do the headbanging every once in a while. I can see why people would say that. I have, uh, I am of the opinion that when it comes to long hair, the, generally speaking, and and generally speaking, the more jacked up it looks, the better it looks. Here's here's the where there's well, that the, depends who with well, you. Yeah, that would be true. Well, so here's one of the things I've learned though after years of long hair. Jacked up looks fine. It's dirty. That's not cool. So so your hair was jacked up in like the best way because you were like a little skater boy. It was skater boy hair is what it was. Yeah. It was skater boy, snowboard boy hair. Yeah. Jake had, for those of you watching, he had um, his bangs went down at an angle. I think naturally almost, right? It's not like you had him cut that way, oh, but no, I just remember. Definitely not. I think it was, you know, do you sleep on one side every night? Uh, it's funny because I try to sleep on my side when I can, but I'll mm -hmm. wake up and sometimes I have trouble sleeping like in the middle of the night and I'll move around. I'll go to my stomach and then that hurts my back. And then I go mm -hmm. to my back and so, but I do, I try to sleep on my side. So I, I know that game in, in my memory, your hair from that age looked like one of the kids who you'd go to bed and get up and just, it would be like that way, you know, but that was the <laughs> style then. Right. I mean, we're yeah. talking circa, that was 99, uh, 2000. No, no. Well, probably like 2002 ish. Right. Cause you were, this is snowboarding. So, so 2002, high I was 11 or two. Yeah. So right around there. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. so it was, that's like, that was the style. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I mean, fair. Th you that's the good, thing though. It's like, it was the style and I didn't care that it, it looked bad. <laughs> I literally just wanted to look like a snowboarder that that's it. When you I did. Would, 
Yeah, back when uh, I had my snowboarding obsession. And it, it's funny, like, really thinking about being confident like that and not even caring what people think. I'm like, man, I wish I could always feel that way now, which right. reminds me of a story that I wanted to tell you about Elsie. <laughs> <laughs> about Elsie. So, uh, so some of you know my, my oldest daughter is uh, autistic. She can't communicate too well. But one thing that is amazing with her, maybe this goes for a lot of little kids her age. She's almost four. Uh, is her confidence, <laughs> which is really <laughs> funny. She is shameless and kind of cutthroat sometimes and, and confident. So Elsie, what she <laughs> what she would used to do, Edlene and I would be eating or something, and she would come and steal our food, and we wouldn't notice. <laughs> like, she would do that sometimes, like, thinking everything is hers, but she'd be really sneaky. Like, you wouldn't notice. You'd look be like, what the heck? Where'd that go? And <laughs> she she's very picky with what she eats, but she really likes the few things that she eats. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like, for example, she really, really likes fruit. Uh, like an apple is one of her things. So, you know, she would st- like, I would have an apple out. I'm about to eat it. And then it's gone. Elsie took <laughs> it, ninja style. So one day, I don't know why this is so funny. So we were told after her class one day, uh, her teacher said in the middle of class, she stood up there in, I think a little group circle or whatever. She stood up, walked to the teacher's desk, grabbed her apple, Went back down to the the little circle, sat down, started eating the teacher's apple. <laughs> Is that the most shameless thing? Like, and I can just picture her because the, there's just no emotion on her face when she does that. She's just stoic. She's like, "Yeah, that's right. I'm confident. Whatever." So, it was. I couldn't even be mad. It was too funny. Can you imagine that? A little four year old doing that. It's so funny because I feel like ultimately that's kind of for a lot of people that's their goal as parents is to get their kid to the point where they can they can be like and usually it's not till they're an adult where they can be like hey i'm gonna get what i want and i'm not gonna apologize for it right <laughs> like we all go through this process of like yeah. you know beating ourselves up or in some way not all of us but a lot of us right like elsie's like she's good to go oh, <laughs> she takes care of business all confidence in the world <laughs> oh so sweet <laughs> yeah. that's so funny we were talking about her yesterday a little bit yeah. i'm really excited to 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 hear more about your family. I'm excited to hear about your family in general because yeah. that was one of the pieces that over this last, I mean, 10 years. And not that we weren't talking, but you know, we only caught up every once in a while. Yeah. And it wasn't like we sat and really gotten deep. So I really, I mean, I'm excited for already a little bit that I've learned about them. But um, you know, the way that you talk about your daughters is like um, I don't know. It's just it's fun for me. You know, yeah. I, I I remember goofy kid Jake and you're like, this is like grown up. You're still goofy kid Jake. Don't get me oh, wrong. That's, that's still there. And it comes out when I see you and some of our old close friends it just, or no, no, when it comes out the most, tell me if you can relate to this. So there's a few people when I see them all of a sudden, the, the 12 year old boy comes out. Uh-huh. So it's you and some of our other close friends. And then my younger sister, the one oh, yeah. that is uh, Allie, if you remember. Mm-hmm. So she's um, just under two years younger. So we're closest in age out of any siblings. When I'm around her, it's like something turns on or turns <laughs> off. And it's like 12-year-old boy happens again. And then when I'm <laughs> around awesome. my youngest sister, who is in her early 20s, uh-huh. it's not there as much. Like, you know, we'll still goof around or whatever. But with the sister that I'm closest with in age, it's like yeah. I'm a little kid again. I'm like, what is wrong with me? I can't help it. Like, I... I want to like bug her or annoy her. You know what I mean? Like the whole sibling thing. You know what yeah, I mean? It's like, cute. I don't, I don't know if that's ever going to turn off. Maybe when we're like 50. No, probably not. It'll probably be there forever. 
I feel like at 31, you're probably that's you know what I mean. I feel like it might have gone. It probably would have gone before that. At this point, you yeah. know, you it's something I feel like you want to hold on to because that's really nice. That's one thing is I've got a gang of siblings, but I don't, none of the, well, one of them is my age. He I've got one step brother who's a year older than me, um, and funny funnily enough, he in my life of all the people I've ever met mirrors my story the most. And so I have a real, uh, I feel a real kinship with him, even outside of just being brothers. And we haven't had, we're, we have a good relationship, good friendship, good brother relationship, but I don't have what you're talking about with anybody because he was my stepbrother. So when we were little, yeah, we fought and stuff and we competed, but it was a little bit different than kind of what you're explaining. Cause my, my stepbrother has that relationship with his with his older brother who's also right. my stepbrother yep. but their their blood they have the same they have the same mom and dad and we don't you know they're so and they grew up together and and we, i see them when they get together like they're two like real like professional put together dudes and then you put them together and they're like rolling yeah. on the floor hitting each other right that's like, what i'm saying <laughs> you know what I mean? but it, it's kind of cool though when you can be like that in front of some some people because sometimes they're all just so serious you know like obviously mm-hmm. there's times for that we want to be professional and like for us with mission driven made offer a great service but i i think it's a great thing to be able to uh kind of pull back the layers a little bit or the curtain a little bit and just <laughs> kind of let loose and you know be goofy and stuff it's like it's it's fun to do that i don't yeah. think i ever met any of your stepbrothers i feel like I remember you talking about your the one that's a year older than you. I feel like I heard you talk about him. Did did he ever live in uh, like the South Bay? Was that him or is that someone else? Um, yeah. So they both grew up in the South Bay. Yeah, you're remembering. That's you've got a good memory. Yeah. Um, okay. That that's that's what I remember because I, I was born in San Jose. I don't know if you know that. So um, I I feel like I remember I connected it because of that and remember you saying something about them living down in that area or something. Yeah, um, they they both grew up in the Almaden area, um, and it's funny because um, as I got older and um, I've run into people and made friends with people who um, went to school with them, who I wouldn't, you know. So I, I I have friends. So I've got no concept. I never went to school with them or anything. I didn't have. It wasn't part of that whole culture. But I've got friends. Uh, who did go to school with them and like know of them, but don't necessarily know them. Cause they were like, they like play, they were like sports guys. <laughs> One of them, I don't want to, I don't want to name drop my oldest stepbrother, but um, apparently he had earned the name. Um, we're, I'm going to replace his name with say George Takei. His say his name is George Takei. Right. Right over. Uh, you know, the, his nickname was uh, gorgeous George Takei, <laughs> you know, but with his actual name. Right. Like, yeah. like he was, uh, I wish I could say it out loud. He probably wouldn't even care if I did, but um, like these guys apparently like had a reputation at their school. And so it was weird to like have this relationship with them and then, you know, meet people outside is, is this really weird thing having this big extended family, which you are very aware of. Cause you've got what three sisters, right? So so here, so I grew up. I know three. the only Allie. So uh, Allie, that's the one that's closest to me. That's a little younger. I have an older sister that's a couple years older than me. And us three all have the same mom and dad. My mm-hmm. youngest sister, uh, the one that's oh, like nine right. years or so younger than me, we have the same mom, mm-hmm. uh, different dads. And then right. technically, so I don't normally tell people this part because it's just a, a mouthful to explain all this all the time. Mm-hmm. I have another half sister. 
another half brother that are way older than me that I've only met a handful of times in my life. Mm. And they were, or they had the same biological dad as I did and different, a different mom. So okay. kind of all over the place. But what I tell most people, cause it's easier as I have three sisters, but technically I didn't even think about that tonight. I have more half siblings than I do full siblings or whatever you want to call it. So. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a, it's an odd thing, you know, honestly, one of the things I've, I've personally learned and that I've been really grateful for, um, over the years, uh, is the fact that, you know, we may, we think about family when, you know, especially when we're young is one thing. And, you know, that may be, um, usually that's like some kind of blood, you know, relationship and familial bond. And then as we get older, it's like, we kind of realize this, yeah, family is wonderful and really important, but really family is not necessarily about, the blood you share. It's about, you know, yeah. the people that you're around and the people who are there for you. Or even in this case, like we're talking about, you know, it's like, I know my relationship with my, with my, you know, especially when the stepbrother I'm talking about when I was little was, <laughs> was contentious, you know what I mean? Um, but, but like, it's so funny because, and this is kind of what we were talking about um, the other day with your kids um, as, as we have grown though, we were, you know, I, I think I know I've, I had scar some scars for years. You know what I mean? Like we were, we, we fought when yeah. we were kids, but as an, as adults, like we're close. I mean, it's not like we're, we talk every day, but like, he's a really important person in my life. And, um, and I don't know that we would have the relationship that we do today. Had we not fought when we were little kids. Oh yeah, for sure. But like you know? what, what you said too, about when you're an adult, all of a sudden your relationship, like you're, more bonded and you're closer with each other, but that's how it was, uh, with, with Allie, the one that's right below me mm. growing up, we fought all the time. She was a little monster. Allie, I love you, but you know, it's true. <laughs> she was a little monster. No, she was. And then <laughs> when, when she got into high school, so we were all in high school. Um, that's when I, let me see, I believe I was a senior or junior when she got there. Anyways, though, when that happened literally overnight, we just became like, she was like my best friend after that. It was so weird, nice. like literally overnight. Now, I mean, I talked to her just about every day. So, yeah. but yeah, but we did all that too. When we were growing up, we, we fought all the time and especially being the only boy, it's like at all this, you know, aggression and energy and all this stuff too. And so I didn't have a brother to, to do that with, but you know, I made, made do with my, <laughs> with mm. my sister. So I never knew her like on a personal level, but like, it was more like, you know, I was like, Oh, Hey, you know what I mean? When I was either with you or Andrew more like, you know, when we're both with Andrew type thing. Um, but she always struck me as somebody who was pretty like on her toes, like ready to go. Kind of like not, you know, like some people are like, oh, you know, she always struck me as somebody who would like get you back. Is that is that yeah. accurate? Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, no, definitely. Get no, you I, back. I don't know about general people, but your guys' relationship. Oh, yeah. Certainly. I mean, I, but I would say, though. I do mess with her more. Do you? <laughs> yeah, I would say that. But, the, you know, we do get competitive with each other. Like when one of the last times I was there visiting her and uh, her husband and my my niece, they have this little game in their backyard. What the heck is it called? So I'm going to try to describe this. And it's pro I'm probably going to butcher it again. So if you can picture a long string or chain and it's hooked up to something above you, on the end of the chain or string, there's a little ring. Okay. okay. So you take the ring. And you lift it up like this, you drop it and it swings and you try to get the ring to oh, land yeah. on a hook. You know what mm -hmm. I'm talking about? Yeah, I don't even yeah. know what it's called. So like I, I remember I, yeah. 
we played that, and within 30 seconds, I'm like talking crap to her. Like, we're <laughs> all competitive. I'm telling her I'm going to destroy her at whatever this game is called. So she, I, I'm worse, but I mean, she'll, she'll give it back to me for yeah. sure. But I'm, I'm definitely more of the, the instigator with that. That's funny. Yeah. I, uh, I, I, I always enjoyed, gosh, I always enjoyed, um, hearing you talk about her because, you know, you've always, loved her a lot and i I don't know it's one of those things you know somebody somebody enjoys something particularly so you enjoy hearing about it you know what i mean and i always just felt that way like about you i felt like you're always close with her and always made me kind of like yeah that's awesome yeah dude when when people (laughs) when people love something to where they geek out on whatever that is i love that even if it's not something i'm interested in for Mm -hmm. example so the metaverse I'm trying to still understand what that even is. You know, the whole thing, Facebook's mm-hmm. creating the whole virtual world. You mm-hmm. know, it's it's funny seeing people geek out and stuff like that, even though I know nothing about it. But are, are you familiar with this whole metaverse thing that they're creating right now and all about it? Um, are you talking about the specific virtual reality landscape they're creating? Or are you talking about the broader metaverse and as in like the metaverse, like the internet and stuff? On the first one, the whatever yeah, Facebook yeah. is creating, gotcha. where like I think you legitimately wear those like goggle yeah. things. And do you know anything about about that? Is everyone going to be doing that in the next couple of years? I don't think so. So here, here's here's what's happening right now. And as far as and and let me preface this by saying I'm not super familiar with this tech whatsoever. The only thing I've seen about it is like uh, I saw Zuckerberg on, you know. It was like, I don't know. I want to say it was like Gail King or somebody, but he was, he was with some, he was being interviewed and they were, they were doing, you know, they were having an interview with the, you know, with the things on and, and here's the thing. Tech helps and is an, is and is an advantage to us when it helps us connect. It becomes a hindrance as soon as it, diverts into disconnection in one shape or form. So do I think that is genius that we all, that they're creating a space online where we can all spend time together and, you know, live our lives virtually? Yes. Is that the future? Yes. Is it through Facebook's, I guess you're saying it's called metaverse, which I didn't realize. I don't know. I, I don't think, think so. so. I'm yeah. pretty sure that's what, uh, what they're doing, like some big project or whatever. So generally speaking, when I, when I, when the way I'm familiar with people referring to the metaverse is more the metaverse at large, meaning the space in the digital space in which we all spend our time and the broad umbrella kind of catch all for that. So, you know, as far as, as far as the metaverse at large goes, um, yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I, until, until there's some kind of, um, you know, blowback technologically. Um, I think it's just going to keep on progressing this way where we're living online more and more. And again, there's a blow, you know, Murphy's law, something's going to happen and it's going to, you know, but that said, the reality is, is that the internet and the digital trend that our you know global culture is going in is not some abstract idea that just came about um um carl jung um one of the foremost psychologists uh he was one of the students of freud and one of his dissenters as well um he he talked about the collective unconscious and, and we've um 
collective subconscious? No, I think it's collective unconscious. Um, and basically what that is, is the idea that we have, and I'm going to probably butcher this to be fair. Let me throw that in there too. But the idea is basically that human beings and all living things, depending on how you see it, have basically a cloud of knowledge that we all kind of share. And I'm not talking about the digital cloud. I'm talking about like, you know, some people will call it psychic. Some people will call it intuition, whatever it is. Sometimes we walk into a room and we have a feeling that something's going on. Right. And it might be instincts, it might be cues, but whatever it is, it's, un- it's subconscious, it's unconscious processes. Right. So the idea of collective, the collective unconscious, I think or subconscious, whatever it was, sorry, the collective, we're going to call it unconscious until I double checked online um, is that, we have access to varying degrees to this information as human beings. Um, Basically the internet and the metaverse is a almost tangible manifestation of that collective unconscious. Um, Meaning that this theory that Jung talked about in, you know, the early 1900s base, I think is basically has basically manifested itself in such a real way that to call the internet almost his own thing, it almost ignores the fact that it's simply an extension of our own knowledge and expression as human beings. So that said, as long as it's there and as long as we have this huge space to create and exist, that will continue to happen, in my opinion. You know, I just, it, it, it makes me worried the thought of, you know, people never interacting with each other, right? You know, like in person and just spending their entire life like that. It's it's like, can we go too far with mm-hmm. technology? I don't know the answer to that, but I mean, I <laughs> I just picture some teenage boys, you know, laying on the ground drooling, having those goggles <laughs> on, you know, never having an actual human interaction. You know what I mean? So yeah, that's that's real. the only thing. And it, it it's like fascinating to think about, and it. It makes me curious, but that's kind of at the point I'm like, is this too far? I don't know. I don't know the answer. Well, so here's a really interesting uh, way to to think about that. You and I, especially I'll say I'm you and I, because I, I, while we, while I have come to adopt technology, I'm doing the Twitch thing. We're doing the Twitch thing now too, because hi, Twitch audience. Hello. (laughs) Uh, Um. So in a lot of ways, we've already accepted and are yeah. kind of utilizing the technology, that's, right? That's very true. That said, um, we didn't adopt this technology because it was sounded fun to us. You yeah. know what I mean? And don't get yeah. me wrong. Ultimately, actually, it is fun. And it, now it does sound fun because of what we're sharing. But yeah. it's, it's a tool and a means to an end um, as far as sharing and a necessary means to an end at this point in, in our culture of sharing uh, whoever you are and whatever you're doing with others. Yeah. The reality is, especially post COVID is that we have to, if we're going to continue to interface with people, find new and creative ways to do it because we just can't in the way that we could before, you know, even, even if, you know, anyway, it, it's just not possible in the same way. Yeah, no, I, I totally, totally see what you're saying. And I just don't know if that threshold for when it's too much, I don't know if we'll ever be able to even see that because say when we were kids looking to right now where technology is, 
I would have thought that was crazy. Like an right. iPhone and all, all this stuff would have been insane to me. But now it's like kind of normal. So I don't know if it's just going to be normal and the threshold is really just some, you know, ambiguous thing. And I don't know where that actually is, but it does get you to think a little bit, you know? Yeah. Well, and, and it's and it and it opens up a more nuanced question that we often get start, started talking about here about individuals and and how um, you know we all individually might interact with these systems because you know the answer is that that it's it's not one or the other at any given time it's always both yeah. right so there's the yeah. right now as we're talking about the technology is doing it's a good thing and it's a bad thing for example right now there's some dark web stuff where people are being victimized right now <laughs> oh as we're talking gosh. absolutely i know i'm sorry oh, i didn't I know we were it. going there i didn't mean no to yeah I, 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 <laughs> I thought you were gonna say dark web followed yeah, by some like right. weird gaming thing right i said like, people being victimized and then you said victimized and i started laughing i was like oh shoot no that's not what i meant this object this is not the appropriate reaction oh my no gosh. but but you know to give it to give it the contrast right there right. right now as we're talking there's absolutely horrendous stuff being ha happening online right now as we're talking at the same time there's somebody who is interacting like twitch for an example there's somebody on twitch right now who is making income who is uh socializing uh around and and doing something they're passionate about whether it's games or art or something else from their room where they are bound to because of some health condition right, right. So, so, right. so there's always a balance, there's a balance, there's a counterbalance, right? Like to, to say, to say it's gone too far or it's not gone far enough, right. really there's a, another deeper question of what are the extremes of behavior that are on this, in this platform and on this, you know, whereas we're going back to the phrase, the metaverse and <laughs> how do we, how do we rationalize that? and and proceed right because as individuals we have the choice to either engage with technology or disengage and you know you and i apparently are choosing the engaging <laughs> and it's, speaking of technology have you seen those solar cars solar cars no solar cars like there's oh. a solar panel that runs on the top of the car and it's completely powered by solar. I saw an Tesla. article. It was from, no, I, I didn't see one from Tesla. I don't know if they're doing it. It's from a company there. One of the companies is in San Diego. Mm. Um, I think it's called, uh, starts with an a I'll, I'll remember it. Mm. They're building one. There was some article from 2021. I don't know if, I don't think people can buy them yet, but mm -hmm. isn't that crazy though? Thinking about people driving around solar cars, and one of them said it was starting at like twenty something thousand dollars, so not some hundred fifty thousand dollar car. Yeah, and then there's wow. some companies in Europe, I believe, that are doing it too. But can you imagine people just driving around solar cars? It's a very interesting idea, though. You know, honestly, man, I'm at the point now where I, I I've, I've, I just expect to have my mind blown. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like just the other day, I was in. Uh, I was in Best Buy and I was looking at um, some speakers, some audio solutions, and and I came by the headphones and um, there were some Bose sunglasses. I was like, why are these? Why are these in the audio section? Turns out, yeah, yeah, they're they're turns out. So what these are? They're Bose Ray Bands that have little thick, little thick boys, little side thick guys here on the um, what are the arms of the glasses, and in the arms are little speakers that that brought that go right into your ears no but here's the crazy part they'd use bone 
conduction induction conduction i think whatever it is they they put vibrations through your cheeks through your cheekbones and so you feel not only feel the music but what? you hear it in a different way you know like when you go to a concert and you can feel the music in your in like your bones and your face that's basically yeah. what it's simulating it's creating that on your face <laughs> Dude, yeah so, so crazy. it's crazy and there's some other products too i've seen another product that actually i, w- I wouldn't represent what I, I almost bought and then i did some more research and people were like this is not an audiophile um product but like there's like a little thing that's like a little hockey puck that you strap to yourself and you plug it into your music and it goes right on your chest yeah or like you put it wherever you can put on your hip oh gotcha it it recreates the vibrations you know a bunch of the the bunch of the the reviews that i read were like this is basically it might as well be a buzzing phone it's not that great so the technology is not there yet but that's the direction we're going right where our 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 very perception of what is possible and how we're going to experience things is changing rapidly to the point where I'm personally like, Oh yeah. You know, is that a microwave that makes food in it? Yeah. I don't know. That's the dumb thing. Cause all <laughs> microwaves kind of make food in them. No, I but what I mean is right. It's like, Oh, here's a chocolate shake that I just typed into my microwave. <laughs> Whenever I think of crazy stuff like that, I think of Elon Musk, mm-hmm. the the stuff that him and his team come up with. Mm-hmm. Absolutely insane. And something about them sending more people to the moon in the next couple of years. Like when I think of like pushing the limits with tech, I think of Tesla yeah. and, and all the crazy stuff they're doing. And uh, not to mention, it is highly entertaining listening to him and politicians argue with each other. It is yeah. really. Fu- Have you seen that at all? Oh no. my gosh! Because everyone hates him because he makes a lot of money, and yeah. you know he's just that triggers people that he makes a lot of money, mm. and people are saying it's not fair. He doesn't pay tax, <laughs> right. dude. He just gives it right back to the politicians, and he's right. he like showed how much he, he's going to pay in taxes this year, and oh. it was some record number. I don't know, like twelve billion or, or something like that. Yeah. And then he said to the, whatever politician it was, use it wisely, and oh. just like dude, they're going back and forth. I was I was cracking up. It's it's really funny to to watch or, or to listen to that because normally you know people are a little bit more sneaky about it. But I just watching them go back and forth was quite entertaining. I don't know if you saw any of that, but I haven't. But I've been really um, I enjoy Elon Musk. I think he's refreshing in a lot of ways. I mean, I'm not. I don't. There's a lot to him, right? But um, you know, for example one of the things that made me really like him is when he hosted Saturday night live. Oh yeah. You saw this. So, and he was yep. like, and he was He's like, on the I'm spectrum. The, yeah. Right. And, yeah, and I didn't and, know that. Yeah. Me neither. Which makes a lot of sense. First of all, just cause he's yep. kind of off, right. Not off, but off from what we yeah. can perceive as normal. Right. Right. And which, you know, ironically is, is super normal, but that's a whole other can to crack open. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but so that was really cool to see that he, that he was on the spectrum and that, he and he was like for me the key being that he was open about it and that he shared it on such a large scale whether people knew or not now people are going to know because that's the biggest yeah. stage you've ever stood on you know what i mean that's most yeah. the biggest stage most people ever stand on you know what right. i mean yeah so you know and that's 
we'll get into more of this as we go along uh, with our listeners, but that's something that's really near and dear to my heart because I've got my own uh, mental health conditions, which I've shared a little bit, but we'll, we'll have whole conversations about at some point. Yeah. No, I, I thought it was awesome. He shared that. Um, obviously I'm a little biased since my daughter's autism Mm -hmm. and the spectrum is very wide because a lot of people will look at him and just think everyone that has autism, you know, is capable in the exact way he is, but there's such a huge spectrum. But regardless though, when I heard him say that, it made me like really happy and really cool to see like, he's like leading the way in what he does. You know what I mean? And he is on the spectrum. I just thought it was really cool to hear. And it's funny because looking back, seeing interviews of him or just him talking, some of his mannerisms, when you look back, I'm like, okay, I can, I I can see that now. You know Mm, what I mean? Like it, it, it totally makes sense. I always thought it was just completely, he was so smart that his propellers were revving so fast that, you know, he couldn't articulate his thoughts fast enough that's right. what i always thought it was. so maybe it actually is a combination of that too yeah. uh, but it, it does you know make sense looking back um at old interviews of him and stuff and also Tracks. he he said one of the the coolest quotes that i've ever heard i don't know if he was the originator of this or if he just said it too but he when talking about entrepreneurship he said entrepreneurship is like eating glass and staring into the abyss. And and before, like I started all this, you know, it maybe didn't make perfect sense. And then starting this, I'm like, Oh my gosh, that that makes perfect sense. And just saying, you know, basically, especially when you're starting out, it's like, you have no idea what you're doing. You don't have a, you know, an instruction manual, you know, you make tons of mistakes and it's just like, what is going on? So I just thought that was really funny. Uh, I heard him say that. I think that was like a year ago or so. It's always so heartening to hear somebody with that kind of success talk about being exactly where we either are or may have been at a certain point, you know, or for some of us are working towards, right? Like, because this is for both of us, this is not our first time staring into the abyss. I know, I know both of us, (laughs) right? Right. Like both of us, both of us have found each other at this point in our careers after you know many years i mean you know we're, we're both in early 30s so but 10 years probably both of like really trying to like build careers in similar and or other fields or similar yeah. and or completely yeah. different fields right and what you're seeing here whether it's, whether it looks like it or not guys <laughs> is a the benefit the of or the abyss right <laughs> was well, the benefit of of lots of years of us doing that individually and now together yeah. because the reality is is we're not making money from this yet and 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 we're going to find a lot of success before we make any money doing yeah. it yeah i think that's in in this scenario i think that's the correct way yeah to, well i don't want to act like if someone makes money, it's the most reasonable one. way. <laughs> most reasonable, yeah, that that makes sense. And I did notice too. It's like if you start trying to focus on monetizing to the fact where that is your first up before thinking about value for people, yeah. then there you know can be an issue. But you know, a project like this, it's it's really big to take on and does take a long time. I mean, you you already know that we've talked about that offline before. Oh yeah, one night you know, perfect example is I'm feeling. I felt the effects of that on this last podcast, because I mean, you, for those of you who listened or will go on to listen, I mean, I had, I had pretty much a breakdown in yesterday's podcast. And I, instead, I, my instinct was to quietly go about it and just, you know, move through it. And I realized that this is the setting really to talk about it. And I'm really glad I did because it gave me an opportunity to get 
my feelings off my chest. And then it gave Jake an opportunity to like, kind of give me a hand, you know, he gave me a helping hand and also a little pat on the back and we got through it. But you know, the, the reality is, is that, um, it's not going to be perfect. It's not, you know what I mean? Like these, these bumps, like as much as that hurt yesterday and as much as I went to bed, I went to bed, like, uh, like almost sick from my stomach. But the reality is, is when you're starting something new, yeah. it's going to happen. And yep. the benefit of that happening is that a couple of things. One, I, I learned from it and, you know, I'm not going to go into what I learned. That's for me and, you know, to talk about maybe, maybe privately with Jake offline when we're, <laughs> when we leave you guys, but and two, it gives us the opportunity to, um, um, I mean, let's forget about it too. It gives us the opportunity to improve. And, you know, ultimately our, my goal and our goal is to learn how to extend the most value from our experience and our knowledge to you, the listener, um, in a real practical, functional way um, that, you know, it helps yeah. to tumble a few times to figure out how to do that. And so, yeah. hey. I took yeah. it. Here I am. And something that really set me off back in the day. So this is common in this world, but say um, there was a brand new EMT on the ambulance or a brand new firefighter, whatever it is. So it's say their first day, have no idea what they're doing yet. have never been on a 911 call before. And sometimes you see, it's not always the older people. It's some people that have been doing it for like a couple of years, you know, kind of have this entitlement thing like, oh, I'm all experienced and will get mad, like really mad at these new people for not knowing how to do that yet when it's like they've literally never done that. So I, I always thought that was funny. Like sometimes people would um, make comments to me after calls in a good way and say, oh, wow, you really like tried to teach that person on the, or, or talk to them or, you know, coach them a little bit. And it's just funny that anyone had to, say that to me ever to me that should be commonplace like right. someone is newer than you at something then i feel like it's the more seniors person's responsibility to to teach what you've been taught it, it's to me that's like a very simple thing i remember that used to that would really upset me you just see people getting so mad i'm like dude relax like come yeah. on now like yeah. everyone's learning you were there once like let's let's not forget that i'm i'm not a huge fan of that and i'm not talking about like someone being hard on someone there there's a place for that but it's like dude it's their first day <laughs> like come yeah. on like relax you know well, and the problem comes to the same thing that you know we talk about uh, as trainers a lot is at what point do we get in the way of progress and the job getting done because if we're beating up the people who are learning and discouraging folks from learning how to do it better where are we going to get the relief when we need somebody to come in and pick up our you know pick up at, you know take yep. up or shift or whatever, right? Yep, yep, yep. And so, so, so someone that was actually supposed to be on the show, he had to. He's gonna have to reschedule. Um, do you remember when I was telling you how the muscle doc was gonna be on our show? It was right before you started. His name's uh, Doctor Jordan Shallow. I don't know if mm -hmm. you remember. So he was supposed to be on. He had to reschedule. But anyways, he said something that was fantastic, and I'm pretty sure you're gonna agree with this. So he, I heard him say this. Uh, it must have been a couple weeks ago. As a trainer or whatever you do, you have to meet people where they are. There's no yep. other choice. Like, yep. if you don't do that, what is going to happen? They are not going to continue with you. If you say Period. if you're a personal trainer or whatever it is, it's you have to meet people there. I think yeah. that was a mistake <laughs> I made as a new trainer. We talked about a little bit. I expected everyone's mind to work the same as my mind, and fitness right. was always my favorite thing. But 
it might not be this person's favorite thing. It might be hard for them to even make it in the gym. So remember, that was a, a little mistake that I made, but what great advice. And Dr. Shallow, we cannot wait to have you on the show, by the way. But oh, meeting so excited. people where they are. And you could see that parallel. I mean, that's not just fitness. That that can be really anything. And that I mean, it just makes sense. Absolutely. You know what I mean? It's a very natural thing to, um, as a trainer, because that's a, that's a thing that we even, we tend to forget probably more than anybody as trainers is that like we're human and that we are going to not always be at our best. Um, but what happens with that can be that we, um, whether we're aware of it or not, we can be more invested in our idea of what is successful as opposed to what is true success. Um, yep. Specifically, what I mean is a lot of trainers fall into the trap of, oh, I need to get this person a really great workout today. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. If you can get yeah. someone a great workout, that's always the that's always the end goal if possible. But the reality is, is that just like us, some, you know, as people who train ourselves, we know we wake up and some days we're just not in it. Some days we're just like, uh, I Dude, don't like, feel like whatever, like, like today, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you no, know, yeah. it's my, my deload week. Uh-huh. And so it came at perfect time. Cause I like no energy today, which is perfect because deload, I like drop the weight to probably 50%. I, I go pretty light on deloads. Love it. And I was like, man, that's how I feel. How you're just describing. It. I was just like, Oh my gosh, I feel so weak and, and wimpy right now. But of course I still felt better after after totally. one, so yeah but dude but speaking of uh good people like we were just talking about did you see what happened with john madden you see that he passed away yeah but this was wasn't this was like a few months a couple ago, weeks ago it? yeah it was a couple weeks ago i thought it was a few months ago no it was it's just it been was, uh, the last couple the weeks end of december i think it was yeah, oh. I remember it was right around. Dude, I was so. I must bummed. have thought he died before he died. Yeah, I mean, he he was. <laughs> I thought he died like a couple months ago or something. He was definitely older, but man, the uh, for those of you that don't know, John Madden is the most famous football announcer of all time. There was the Madden video game, and before that, he spent ten years as the Raiders head coach. And if I'm not mistaken, he was the has the highest winning percentage of any coach in, coach in history that was coached for ten years or more. So man, when he, it was crazy when he passed away, it's one of those things like, you know, that, that affected me a little bit, you know, when there's those certain people that you've kind of looked up to growing up or, or whatever, like when Kobe died, like we talked about the other day, you know, that, Mm -hmm. that one hit home a little bit, but he, there's a great documentary out on John Madden though. Where is it? That was on, I think it was HBO max possibly. Okay. I'm going to check it out. Oh, it's it's so good. And and Lean found it and wanted to watch it. I was like, oh my gosh, my wife's turning into a football fan. This is <laughs> so that was that was awesome. Uh dude, have you have you read the four hour work week book? No, but I've heard good things about it. And okay. and, and I I'm from what I've heard, I'm stoked on it. But I'd love to hear you talk about it. Okay, so I figured you at least heard about it. Mm-hmm. So the four hour work week. So Tim Ferriss, I think, is an absolute genius. Let me just mm-hmm. make that be known before I talk about it. So the book, it was so, I don't want to say bad. That's not the right word. It was so much. I had to stop reading it after like, I don't know, two chapters or something. I, I was like, I can't do this. And I was like, is this just me? Like it was so all over the place. Mm. And 
like nothing really made sense. And then I looked to to read other reviews to see because this is like a best selling book. And one of the the reviews I saw, it said it seems like Tim Ferriss snorted a bunch of cocaine <laughs> and then and then snorted more cocaine and then just kept writing more of the book. <laughs> I was like, okay, it's not just me. Like I couldn't keep up. Like you could tell how smart he is, uh-huh. but. It's it goes all over the place. It's yeah. like that. There's ne- like there's never a clear point that's made, and mm. each page there's like different sections to it. It's it's so weird. You you should check it out. That'd be you know to see if you like it, of course. But mm. I I had to stop reading it, and you know I wanted to finish it just to finish it. And then Edlene was like, "Why? You know if you yeah. if you don't like it, like why yeah. would you finish?" So yeah, I stopped after. It must have been just a, a couple chapters or so. So I may I may have actually been mixing it up with something else because when you're talking about four hour work week, I thought you were talking about uh, what what I guess is really studies that are talking about, and there are people who are representing this who are talking about how um, basically our we have about two or three hours I forget the exact numbers but three or four hours worth of actual production time yep. productive time. This is the same person, same guy. So I don't know if what you're talking about is the exact thing that mm-hmm. um, he said, but he has said similar things. And I've also mm-hmm. seen multiple studies on exactly what you're talking yeah. about. Okay, yeah. Okay. So, because that's what, when you, when you brought that up and when I read that, that's what I thought that we were talking about. Um, Cause I will say, while I don't have any knowledge, I haven't really done any, you know, meaningful reading about this uh, anecdotally, my experience is very much in line with that. You know, I, 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 it took me a long time to figure out that I really, I got to get up and I got to do my work first thing in the morning, get my, get work done. Not to say like, I can do personal training in the evening because it's different kind of work that really, like we talked about, just requires you to kind of meet your person where they're at. So it's a different type of work. But like when I'm talking about podcast work, when I'm talking about um, Twitch work, when I'm talking about any kind of thing where I've got to be really kind of articulate and on it and, 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 and on point. I got to do it in the morning and I only have max yep. three, four hours before I start to have the decline. And, you know, um, and even then that's on a good day, right? You know, some yep. days you wake up and you're just like, you're not going to have yep. half hour of good time. So, you know, one thing I, I did like that he was talking about in the book mm. is how, just like you were saying about our capacity to actually focus and, and work. And mm. he brings up in the book about, you know, this eight hour work day, you know, mm-hmm. every day that mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of comical like why it has to be eight hours versus get your work done. So right. whether that is yeah. one hour a day, right. 30 minutes, whether that's four hours, whatever number whatever that it is, is and how the eight. And I was like, that is kind of funny. And then a study that I did see was most people that have, you know, an eight hour work day, they only actually work for two to three hours of that right. day. The yeah. rest is spent fidgeting around or talking mm-hmm. to coworkers or whatever it is. So mm-hmm. I, I was like, that is interesting because I, you know, up until a year or two ago, I was always about just, you know, work your butt off, you know, yeah. the entire time instead of like the mindset of what makes you produce, you know, mm-hmm. what allows you to produce the most versus like, I'm just going to work the hardest and for the longest, you know, right. just to be prideful in that, uh, right. which is I started to learn that's not really the right idea, like just right. working to work and that's right. it instead of working like, okay, how can I produce the most, you know, in, mm-hmm. in this amount of time. So he did bring up a great point about that that you know the eight hour a day work day that doesn't necessarily like like why yeah. <laughs> you know instead of instead of just getting your work done then i've seen other studies you know saying after 90 minutes people can't focus anymore uh, you know on average that makes a lot of sense and it also speaks to um 
our uh, tendency to accept waste culturally. Um, you know, we we don't we we have a idea that working is going to get our is going to meet our goals, but that's not necessarily the case. Uh, I like to think about um, when I was pursuing music. I mean, I'm still pursuing music professionally, but it's a little bit different. I'm doing a bunch of other things. But when I was doing music exclusively, um, one of the things that is an easy trap to fall into, and, I, and, and this is not just music, is um, being so devoted to something that that's all you do. And, uh, you know, what happens is, you know, you, you, you end up with a poorer product because you're not out experiencing other things and experiencing yeah. life. Right? right. So I don't know. I, I, I know it may seem like a little bit of, you know, a tangent or, you know, um, but there's no easy answers. There is mm-hmm. trying different things, finding out what works for us and, you know, hopefully finding something we like, but, you know, as long as we're yeah. willing to continue exploring, we'll get there. So, it it's uh it's funny you say that because my mind for so long was no just devote to one thing just yeah. obsess over it so for me i'm trying to now find the value in other things too i'm trying yeah. to do that i i feel like that takes more work for me um just the whole balance thing i i feel like a kind of a different view with you know even what that means anyway and I don't need perfect balance in everything in my life, yeah. but I am learning to remember, you know, it's good to spend time with the family, you know, yeah. um, you know, take care of your wife and your kids or significant or whatever it is. So I'm, rem- yeah. you know, I have to remember I can get so focused on what it is I'm doing and trying to make and produce that, you know, it's, it's very easy to overlook the other things. Uh, so what you're saying makes perfect sense. That's, I think that's something that um, a lot of really driven folks share. So if you found yourself, um, you know, listening because you share that sentiment of the mission driven culture that we talk about and the, you know, and that's more complex than I mean, but if you share the drive that we do um, in, in terms of finding your happiest, healthiest, strongest, yeah. whatever may be self, it really can't be hit home hard enough that being willing to question your accepted um, way of thinking or your accepted guidelines Mm -hmm. comes into play time and time and time again, because when we're willing to take a step back and really question whether what we're doing is working for us, there's nothing to fear anymore because if the answer is yes, then good. You figured it out. Stick with it. And if the answer is no, eh, well, you get to keep playing. That's fine. You know what I mean? And the reality is, even if you, even for those of us who find what works for us, our brains and our bodies get so accustomed so quickly that you have to find new stuff because otherwise you're going to get bored and your brain and your body is going to get really good at doing those movements that you do. And it's not going to know how to do other novel things. So, you know, we're kind of dealing with a uh, moving target by default. Yeah. Oh, moving target. I love that. Absolutely. Uh, you're getting me excited. You ready to, uh, you want to talk some fitness? Yeah. You ready? You want to do. do it? Do you want to hear something crazy? Ready, bro. <laughs> <laughs> you see or hear something crazy that I've yeah. seen at my new gym, probably about 10 times now. What I, I've oh, witnessed no. this guy doing. Okay. 
So normally, I, I I'll admit if I saw something like this, I would drive. You know, on the way home, I'd talk to my wife and maybe poke a little fun at what this person's <laughs> doing. But it was so cool every time I had to kind of stand and just watch. So I've seen this guy do this probably 10 different times. So he was standing on a BOSU ball on the flat part, okay? It's so okay. like the plastic part, you know, the little balance thing that people use. And I, I don't like it. Yeah, I, know. <laughs> I, I, think, I think those things are pretty silly for most people. Yeah, exactly, for most people. He... I saw this with my own eyes, clean and jerked with a barbell, 170 pounds, while balancing wow. on a BOSU ball. What a badass. Dude. Let me, let me be clear. I'm not suggesting anybody oh, out there no. go out and do that. That was but, a horrendous idea. Yeah, but at the same time, if it looked, did it look good? Did he have good form and everything? So I've seen him do it multiple times. A few times he bailed and kind of fell back. He didn't well, like, he didn't get good. hurt. He fell back yeah. and threw the weight and it crashed into the rig in front of him. But I also saw him <laughs> actually the do it. But he actually did it. I see, saw okay. him do it multiple times. Same guy. So another thing that he does, he must be a, a gymnast or I, I don't know or something. Okay, but yeah. He has he sense. sets up a, a a plyo box behind him, one of the cushiony ones, and he does a backflip up onto the plyo box. I've seen him do that a bunch. What? Okay, he's yeah. He yep. boasting ball isn't isn't shiz for this guy. He just did backflip onto a onto a platform. Y- yeah, yep. right. Okay, saw him do that a bunch of times. And the last thing I've seen him do, these are the only three things I've ever seen him do. Mm. He does handstand walks across part of the gym floor, but he does it while having a medicine ball in between his feet. <laughs> what a savage. I know. I was like, so that this cool. guy, it's like he, I couldn't figure it out. It's like, he's doing this for a specific reason yeah. because he's, Sounds he did like it, it so many times. He wasn't just trying to show off once. I'm like, I don't know if he's a stunt person or if right. he's a gymnast. Well, then again, the, even some of those would be, interesting for a gymnast to do but um yeah i was like this is insane i almost wanted to ask if i could film him but i didn't want mm. him to think i was some weirdo okay wait can we i'm so sorry can we take a pause there because if you just started noting i started running around my chair it's because i realized i've got to go to the restroom so bad yeah. so apologies because we're gonna have to throw a little edit in on the actual podcast and i'm gonna have to put up the brb but otherwise this is gonna this podcast is gonna end a whole different way <laughs> okay, cool. so i'm gonna put up the the um the mdm start sign again real quick and we'll be right back in a few minutes cool All right. Well, uh, thank you, sir, for that. Um, I needed that very, very badly. You ever need to go so bad that you're afraid it's going to start coming out of your face? Oh, dude. (laughs) I was just yesterday. I was uh, telling a story about the the worst I ever had to pee. And it was on the 17 going to Santa Cruz. Oh, no. And I was playing a game with someone who can chug the most water. Uh We had a a gallon thing. And I I can't remember how much I drank, but I drank it all like really quick. Uh And so I... I've never had to pee that bad in my life. <laughs> but I mean, like, w- what did you do? Did you just have to wait till you got where you went? Or did you do the side of the road on the 17? So, Which, by the way, is a little context, folks. If you're not familiar with the 17 in California, um, it's the road that is, most people take when they're – a lot of people from the northern area take when they're trying to get down to San Diego. San Diego. I talk good. <laughs> to Santa Cruz. Uh, and it's, like, super, super, super windy. And it's usually super busy. And, and sketch. Uh, 
it's super sketch because the thing is, it's also where the commuters, the commuters is the one road for the commuters. So people who drive it every day are driving it with people who are going to like the beach on Sunday. Yep. It's, it's disaster. So this is where Jake is um, stuck bumper bumper. And I would assume <laughs> like for me, in my mind, I'm like, I'm getting out. I'm on the side of the road at that point. If it's bumper to bumper. Oh dude. Yeah. So I, I wasn't driving. I'm pretty sure. I mean, I think we're pretty young because i think a friend's parent was driving oh and we, okay we, and we had to pull over like because I, I had to go so bad i don't remember where i went it's probably in the middle of the forest somewhere but we we had to pull over somewhere it was that bad somebody's parent is like i'm not having this yeah. kid's pee in my backseat yeah. but i but i won the chugging the water chugging game so that's all i cared about at the time did you uh, win i don't i feel like the real you <laughs> I was excited for about 30 seconds that I won (laughs) in the competition, but then I'm like, oh, crap. Oh, my God. Have you heard the story? And I'll let Andrews tell us when when hopefully we get him on whatever capacity. But uh, you've you've heard the story of how Andrew almost got me to drink his PP, right? On purpose? On purpose. Yeah. This oh, was what a granted. G. This was um, this is in the drinking days, right? Um, <laughs> to, but the the I'm gonna leave the long story for Andrew. But the, the long story short is that um, they he had drank so he had drank his beer and he drank so fast it went right out of him, right? And then he refilled this this forty of Budweiser, whatever it was, and and it was my turn, and I, I thought it was a fresh Budweiser, but because it was, and I then I even brought it up to my lips, and because. It was fresh, like beer pee. Oh it smelled like beer. Like it did not smell like pee. You know what I mean? Like oh I, I like because I'm, I'm pretty neurotic. I like, so I smell things before I drink them anyway, just because it would have was spoiled, right? Or like it's bitter, or whatever. I just want to be prepared. Um, luckily, that I, I still to this day owe Matt for that because um, Matt was like, like, like Brian, Andrew, some there might have even been somebody else there. I, I think about, I remember them too. They're like, you know, not saying anything. I'm like, what? And Matt was like. <laughs> bro he saved you dude yeah so i still matt if you're out there somewhere i still owe you for that my friend I, i'll uh i don't know you know it's not like we're we hang out but you know it's it's i still he saved you. i owe you yeah oh yeah he definitely <laughs> saved you mm-hmm. hey so you know we were just making fun of the the bosu ball a little bit now i'm i'm not really into gimmicky stuff with fitness mm-hmm. like you know, you could argue yeah. some of the gimmicky things have their place, but there is one that I love, and it's a little gimmicky. Have, uh, have you heard of crossover symmetry? Crossover symmetry? Uh, yeah, but honestly, <laughs> honestly, I think I read it in your notes, and I'm like, yeah, I know of crossover symmetry. Or cross, what do you say? Crossover symmetry. Crossover symmetry. Maybe. Yeah. Now as so, you're saying it, maybe I do. A lot of times you say something, I'm like, no, I don't know, and then you start describing yeah. I'm like, oh. You mean that? Duh. <laughs> I'm not great with names sometimes, but after you, apologies. But their crossover symmetry isn't in like most gyms. It's mm. not like a not mm. everyone has them. But mm-hmm. essentially, yeah, exactly. Mm. They're they're bands, and they're supposed gotcha. to help about. get you know getting your shoulders and your rotator cuff yeah. warmed up. And how they market it is, you know, if you're in shoulder pain, use this to help decrease that and it, uh, improve your performance and all these other things. So very, I guess, uh, general almost blanket statements, but. Um, oh yeah, and just a, a review, you know, for what what the rotator cuff is. So it's comprised of four muscles and tendons, and it sits right on your scapula. And it's four muscles: the supraspinatus, the infraspinatus, the teres minor, and the subscapularis. So those are four muscles, and it helps uh, a couple things. So at the top of 
your arm, there's that uh, on the top of the bone, your humerus, there's a ball looking thing and that sits in your shoulder joint. So the rotator cuff helps keep those two things uh, together and also helps rotate your arm internally and externally. Um, but also a lot of people do tend to get pain there and I was uh, one of them. So this device, uh, the crossover symmetry device, I actually love. So I would get to the gym extra early uh, before I'd start training and I would go through the little warm-up they had, and it would take about five or six minutes. And so the, the problem is, you know, people act like you can isolate your rotator cuffs and that other shoulder movements don't do that, which is not true right. at all. But I will tell you, that little device was amazing. It made my shoulders feel great. I had shoulder issues for so long. Mm-hmm. When I did that, I was able to lift more. And more importantly, I wasn't in as much pain after so that that right. was more important to me but have you so you've never used one of those before so i have um i i used it i never i've never really trained with it is probably the best answer i've i i used it earlier on honestly so i haven't been in a in a proper like gym in years because um if i need to go to a, a gym i go to the studio that i work at which is more of a boutique thing anyway so we don't and we don't have that there um and i mostly i work out at home anyway um, so the last time I used it was prior to me even training in any kind of, um, really productive way, you know, for a lot of years, I, I really trained just for the sake of, um, feeling good and trying to, you know, be healthy and not, you know, it wasn't yeah. really this level of like, oh, I'm applying these techniques and stuff. So, um, I have not though, I do have an opinion on, on that category of, um, of equipment and, and, and exercise. And, you know, like everything else, it's got its really important place, especially when you start talking about a client who is um, coming off of uh, being in working with a a physical therapist. You know, if, if you've, if you're working with somebody who has, you know, existing rotator cuff injury and they already have talked to a physical therapist and they've yeah. been cleared to come work with you, you have the option as a personal trainer to use some of that PT-based work as the found as foundational um, activity for moving on back into, you know, back into real kind of rigorous training. Um, and and for that, I mean. I can't imagine really a better tool. Um, you know, not that I have access to one at the moment, but I would certainly use it if I had access to it, you know? Yeah. So just something to keep in mind for those out there, if you're having shoulder pain, it's a non-invasive way to to help that. And I don't like making blanket statements like that. Cause of course, yeah. you know, that's not supposed to be medical advice. Of course, see your PT right. or your physician, um, depending, but it is something that I use that gave me tangible results and less pain in a pretty short amount of time. And I, you know, most of the time wasn't able to do that with, with other things, especially uh, any gimmicky type devices. So sure. Let's go into some tips on increasing your shoulder press. Yeah. Good I'm interested about this one. Shul- the good old shoulder press. It's funny because with all the, the shoulder issues I have or had, you know, I, I don't go overhead nearly as much mm-hmm. as I used to, I mean, I was going overhead almost, almost every day in some form, which I think mm-hmm. is one of the reasons <laughs> why my shoulders, you know, were always in so much pain. Yeah. Um, what were you gonna say? Oh, I just said, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Oh. So a, a great way 
to increase your your shoulder press because a lot of people do struggle to increase their their max with their shoulder press and it does take a long time for for a lot of people to even move up a couple pounds it's very challenging so if you've never tried i highly recommend you try a z press now what is a z press so what it is you're sitting on the ground your legs are out in front of you and I would say you you angle your legs at uh, approximately, if you were to look at your legs from a bird's eye view, it'd be maybe a, a in between a 45 and 90 degree angle or so. But anyways, though, so your legs are, are out on the ground and you start your shoulder press that way. So the barbell is close to your lap and from there you grab it and then you press straight up. So the, the great thing about the Z press, it takes all the movement or momentum from your legs out. You can't cheat with the Z press. It is all on your shoulders. And you're going to also notice when you are doing a Z press, it's going to very much so challenge your mobility. You're going to feel a little tightness in your hamstrings. And then in your thoracic region on your back, which is, you know, your mid upper back area, it's, you're going to feel your flexibility being challenged a lot. As you're pressing the weight up, you're going to feel it in your upper back a lot more than you would during the shoulder press. So you're not going to be able to do a lot of weight with this, which is, I think, a good thing. I think mm-hmm. it's good if we, we back down the weight every once in a while. Totally. You are going to target your, your delts in a fantastic way, and you're going to feel the entire time your mobility is being challenged to a degree a lot higher than the shoulder press. Also, you're going to notice when people shoulder press, uh, to get the weight up, people are going to change their mechanics. Like their lower back mm-hmm. is going to hyperextend to allow – for range of motion where they can actually press. So they're quote unquote cheating uh, the rep a little bit. And also it's, you know, that can lead to your back hurting Mm -hmm. uh, as well. You can't do that with a Z press. You're Mm. forced to stay in that position. Your core is stabilizing your body and your thoracic is being challenged. So that is a, a great movement if you haven't. And I do recommend going very light with the Z press to start. You can use a barbell, you can use dumbbells, you can use kettlebells, whatever you like. I prefer a barbell, uh, personally, but yeah, give that a shot. Do that for you know a couple weeks or a couple times a week and see what it does to your shoulder press. H- have you given those a go before, Clay? You know, I have not, and I'm gonna because of uh, this conversation. I'm really excited to. Um, though I do have again my little um, my little thing I want to throw in there, especially as uh, as the generalist in this um, conversation. Uh, for all our folks out there who are um, getting into exercise and kind of laying that foundation still. This is not the optimal exercise for you. This is for Jake is talking to um, mostly folks who already are um, doing a shoulder press effectively and efficiently and are looking to kind of enhance that effectiveness and efficiency and um, really target kind of not only the upper areas of the back in a, in a more isolated way, but forces you to stabilize yourself in, in a way that is really for a lot, most of us is kind of a novel way with something that we're not going to do, which is fantastic. Um, That said, if you're starting out and you're learning shoulder press, you want to, first of all, as we always talk about, you want to be working with somebody who can show you the, show you how to do it properly. You know, you want a good trainer to walk you through it. Um, that aside, using your legs or sitting on the bench to stabilize yourself as opposed to doing the Z squat for somebody who's learning 
makes it much easier and more accessible to engage the core in a, in a very, in a practical, functionally applicable way. Um, where, whereas if you're a learner and someone says, go right to the Z press, then you're going to probably struggle with trying to figure out exactly how to apply that in a way that you can really get the most benefits. So um, it's really important that you know where you're at and how you might apply. That said, this is not to say it doesn't have benefits for the layman or for the beginner. Just make sure that you are approaching it in the safest, um, most um, you know, effective way. And the way to do that is by working with somebody like um, myself or, or Jake. And, uh, and, you know, there's, there's people in your area that you can get in touch with. Uh, you just kind of, you got to search a little more sometimes, but they're there. Yeah. So start, start light whenever you do it. That's, mm -hmm. that's the main thing. And, you know, you'll, like we mentioned before, it's going to challenge your mobility a lot, which could be a really mm -hmm. good thing, but just, you know, definitely start on the easier, lighter side. Another tip for shoulder press, this one might sound very obvious, but is to practice them and practice them often. So when you are learning a movement, a lot of the adaptations ask actually a neuromuscular adaptation. So it's working on the movement pattern and getting better at that movement pattern. So one of the ways to do that is to practice often. The main consideration though, if you're going to start practicing these even multiple times a week, the main thing is to not go heavy all the time. Yeah. We need to take the, or drop the load down enough to where it's not going to affect us so much the next day, but give us a chance to practice them on a more regular basis. So yeah, of course, every once in a while, you are going to need to go quote unquote heavier to increase uh, your max. But if you practice them often, we do need to decrease the load a bit. So it's, it's not supposed to be, you know, a shoulder workout every day. If you choose to practice them every day, go way lighter, practice the movement and become more efficient at the movement. Absolutely. And that, that is regardless of whether you're a beginner or you know, a veteran in the gym, follow that advice. Exactly what Jake just said. I'm not going to repeat it because you said it very nicely. <laughs> and let's, uh, let's Be go into our Q and a for the day, which is, is it best to do full range of motion squats? Now mm. this is uh this it's is a fun one. This is a fun one. And it's a fun one to see people argue about online yeah. all the time. <laughs> it's a, it's another good one. So to be fair, um, the, you know, to begin with, we have now, we are now talking about this. We're at the cusp of what's being challenged right now. We're at the, we're at the challenge point between um, traditional learning and anecdotal new anecdotal evidence that uh, is leading us in kind of a direction that traditional traditional fitness said not to go. Right. Anyway, I'll let you go to your, say what you're saying, but it's a really fertile topic for uh, yeah. right now, especially, especially. Yep. So one of the first uh, considerations is what are your goals? That that's a, mm -hmm. a very important question to ask before you do just about any movement. So it's not random. And so it's purposeful now for example. So for a long time, you would hear physicians and you'd hear strength and conditioning coaches and other people say squatting full range of motion, which is, you know, your, your butt is below parallel. It's getting closer toward the ground. It used to be said that that's bad for your knees, which that statement on its own is completely not true. So let's take a regular person, a regular gym going person, or even someone that's new, we're, we're going to leave athletes out of this just for a moment. So 
generally speaking, it is best if we do a full range of motion with our lifts. And we've also seen a small benefit as far as muscle building when we do this. Not to say you can't build muscle when the motion is limited, but full range of motion tends to carry over best for muscle building and strength effects. That being said, this also depends on your personal mobility. If you start going down on your squat and the second you get to somewhere around parallel to the ground and your lower back starts to round a ton, we're not going to go past that. There's not going to be any benefit to do that. And you'd also probably be a bit more susceptible to injure yourself. So we have to find that fine line of what's our goal and what is going to challenge my mobility, but it's not going to lead to an injury or to your lower back hurting because that's definitely happened to some of us before. So if we find that sticking point, we can work on challenging our mobility there to um, then further a range of motion. But don't just go full range of motion, your butt touching the ground, just to say you did a full range of motion squat. That doesn't make uh, any sense whatsoever. Now, so that that's general recommendation for the, the everyday person. Now, if you are, say, an athlete, this is where the answer to this may be a little bit different. So many athletes, especially those that have a strength and conditioning program, you know, say in high school or college, they follow um, a, it's called a periodization or a schedule of how they exercise. They move to different blocks or phases of their training. Now take a basketball player. Many times it may be optimal for them to squat to parallel or even quite or a little above parallel because think of when they are shooting or when they're producing the most power. The movement of a squat when it's just a partial range of motion squat that's not below parallel, that's going to mimic a bit more of what they're doing on the court. And that's going to help as far as them producing power in their sport. So that would be an example where it may be good for an athlete to go through blocks or training cycles where they don't do a full range of motion squat. But for the everyday person, normally full range of motion is best if you can own that range of motion. I'm not saying drop down and... You're looking, you know, like a wet noodle on your way down <laughs> to, to the ground during your squat. But what you can own, whatever range of motion that you can completely own. Now, what do I mean by that? If you're someone, like I mentioned before, your back starts to round really bad or you start to notice you're, you get below parallel and everything starts to shake, your knees start to cave in, also known as knee knocking or knee valgus or any of those things are happening, there's not a point to keep going at that point. You are setting yourself up for failure. Clayton, what do you got with this one? I mean, you, you really, you, you, you hit the nail on the head. Um, the one thing that I would add to that is, is, you know, um, this question is particularly pertinent to anybody who, uh, is, has a compromised knee system. So whether mm, that means good. that that's you've good. got old injuries like myself that you have to, um, you know, account for, or you have so like, like, I have had a couple clients uh, who have knee replacements um, who need, who simply don't have the same mobility as somebody who doesn't have a knee replacement. Great point. Has. Great point. So when we start, when we start talking about, you know, again, you know, you guys are going to hear me kind of come back to this point time and time and time again, um, which is what are we, you said it and you already said it, what are we doing and why? Right. So, if you are somebody who, like Jake mentioned, is somebody who, you know, is an athlete, um, you're going to have 
more confidence in your ability to, as Jake phrased it, own your weight. Um, you know, and I'll, I'll say my, my description of owning, owning your weight is, are you in control of it at all times? Mm, that's good. Um, and if you're in control of it at all times and, and when, and if you are truly in control of it at all times, then you are going to have the ability to, um, get out of a lot of these exercises, a more specific outcome. Um, so on the other side of that is if you're somebody like myself who has, um, you know, who has some serious knee injuries, uh, you might find that your results from doing a full range or even over range, depending on your perspective, squat, like, you know, I'm trying to dance around it. Knees over toes, guys. We all, most of us are familiar with him because he's awesome and he's doing some really cool stuff. His information the, like our, our science, our, our global science has not caught up with the anecdotal information that he's presenting that athletes and high performers and even layman's everywhere are, especially people who have, are dealing with knee injury or surgery, you know, recovering from surgery, they're finding anecdotal evidence that's saying that some of these techniques that he teaches, which are totally in the face of traditional fitness, um, really lead to some incredible results as far as gaining strength, mobility, and reducing pain and discomfort and inflammation. So how, where does this leave us? Where does this leave you as a listener? With a whole lot of options. Um, and the answer to what's best for you is going to depend on how you feel going through your own personal range of motion. Um, my, my full range of motion is not the same as Jake's full range of motion. They're just different. We're different people. We are, our femurs are different lengths. Probably actually we're, we're about the same height. So we're probably, we're probably actually more similar than we are different. But the, the idea being that we all have as a particular set of circumstances, a particular set of circumstance and unique bodies that necessitate our individualized appraisal of what is appropriate, especially when we're starting to talk about um, what we consider our full range of motion for our squat. Because I'll tell you, I refer to full range of motion to my clients, but I teach only to 90 degrees. And the reason for that is because traditionally speaking, I don't have, as a trainer, I don't have the scientific backing to say, I need it. I, I should be switching them over to this knees over toes guy style. That said, I, I practice that. I think that it's the future of, of how we approach squats and lower body stuff. And so I do say to my clients, look, this isn't necessarily supported, you know, academically yet, but I'm finding success with it. These people are finding success with it. If you'd like, educate yourself and maybe have an idea of what's coming next, right? But really, we're on right now, we are on the cusp of what's being done in our field and really, really fun, exciting stuff, especially for someone like myself who, um, you know, if it wasn't for fitness, I would be, I'd be completely sedentary because my knees, when I'm not active, my knees are shot. I can't, I can't, I'm not, I'm, I'm non mobile relative 
relatively non-mobile when I'm out of shape because of my knee injury. So it's a lot of interesting stuff to consider. And I do like that you mentioned the point about possible knee injuries. I forgot Mm -hmm. to cover that. A great thing that you can do if you do have issues with your knee is doing box squats. And Mm. you set the box to a level that isn't increasing your pain. So for some, that could be squatting down a couple inches. For some, that Mm. could be a little above parallel. But when you're having knee issues, box squats uh, really help because you can control how far down you go Mm. and gauge it on how much pain or lack thereof uh, you have when you're doing them. So box squats, uh, that's one that I did a lot when I was having knee issues. And then even with my back issues, sometimes I'll do box squats to control my range of motion a little bit more. So that is uh, definitely a great way to go. All right, everyone. We hope you enjoyed the episode today and we Hope you enjoyed the content. If you are and you haven't subscribed to our show yet, go ahead and do that. Please scroll down to the bottom of your phone there and leave us a five-star review. It's going to help grow the show tremendously. Give us a follow on Instagram. You can find us at Mission Driven Made. And lastly, we have a free online fitness uh, community called The Forum, which you can also find a link in the show description for that. It's free. It's for listeners of the podcast to go on there and connect with each other to start conversations. And also, it's a place where you can connect with me and Clayton whenever you'd like. You can ask questions about fitness, health, nutrition, lifestyle, mindset, any of that. And we would love to help. So go ahead and click that link in the description. And we would be happy to let you into our free platform. All right, everyone. We hope you have a great rest of your day. We love you. And until next time, stay mission driven. What's going on, MDM community? Uh, I am uh, Clayton. We've got Jake here. Uh, We've got a little correction for you. I've got a little correction for you. Uh, In the last episode, or I should say the current episode you're listening to, episode 73, uh, we talk about full range of motion squats and... um, and I very emphatically <laughs> talk about the fact that we are at the cusp of where academic knowledge and anecdotal evidence um, have intersected. And um, in the, con- the context of the conversation, we were talking about um, these full range of motion squats. And I was talking about knees over toes guy and basically how he was presenting this really uh, new information that the rest of academia hadn't caught up with yet. Um, I was wrong. I was very wrong about that. And uh, in fact, there is an article that Jake was so um, wonderful to share with me when we logged off here um, from 2013 on PubMed um, that had the um, core information that we're talking about where um, they found that um, once you go past the 90-degree angle with your legs where your um, upper leg and your lower leg are at a 90-degree angle, which is our typical um, marker point for range of motion, um, that you actually have um, more compression, more uh, compressive force at that 90-degree angle than you do when you go past the 90-degree angle. Uh, And this is because the force that is on top of the patella is displaced uh, as you continue to go past that 90 degree angle. Um, So the really fun part about this for me is as I was saying in the podcast, um, I've been practicing this, uh, this technique on my own thinking that it was kind of newfangled. But as somebody who was practicing it, but not teaching it, 
I was having a lot of my own anecdotal evidence and I was really excited to, to start teaching it as soon as the academia, you know, caught up um, because of this opportunity to do this podcast with uh, you guys and with Jake. Um, turns out I can start teaching that right now, <laughs> <laughs> which I did um, actually. So we're here with this fact check for you roughly 24 hours after we recorded um, the, the episode that you're listening to right now. Um, and I had a, a, I had a couple clients in between, but I had one uh, who I had this morning who uh, she's got the uh, she's the most flexible and she's got the most lower body strength probably of all my clients. And I was like, oh, perfect, perfect person to kind of start trying this with, right? And I've I've been very open about my experience with this. And I told her this morning, it's like so mind blown. She's she's also um, she's an academic. Um, so she also is very comfortable with the way we discover new information. Right. Um, so I was very, you know, upfront with her. It's like, Hey, this is, so I've been practicing this and I'd really like to share it with you. Um, and so, uh, I'm really excited about the benefits that are going to come along with that. That's, that said, actually, <laughs> ironically, it didn't actually work out this morning. Um, once we got past that 90 degree uh, angle, she was feeling some, um, discomfort in her knee and so i was like okay go ahead and ease out of it don't do that anymore i'm going to continue to learn about this collect some information try it with some different folks uh, talk to talk to my uh, talk, talk to my guy jake here about it if i um have any kind of knowledge uh, questions because as you guys know this guy's chocked full so let me say thank you jake for helping me learn a little something thank you audience for uh being here with me while i eat my slice of humble pie <laughs> and uh <laughs> and thank you for also you know um all these uh, future times you'll be listening to me and i might say something that is incorrect i promise you that if i do if we do we will come back and we'll make sure that we um rectify that uh luckily i don't think that um this particular mistake had a very high risk of injury um but you never know. So uh, we learn new things every day, and, uh, and I'm grateful for this knowledge. So uh, thanks for letting me share that with you guys. See you, everyone. Yeah. Um, we'll be back very soon. So thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.